0: and welcome to another edition of History After Hours. My name is Kevin Pumphrey and with me like normal is Mr. Ron Franklin and Mr. Jeremy Nixon. We are three history teachers at Lakeside High School that try to evaluate and look at the present moment through the lens of history. Um, This episode was recorded on April 21st, 2021 and it's a little different. Today we have a special guest, It is the new principal at Lakeside High School, Mr. Blake Campbell. Uh, Mr. Campbell gives us kind of some insight into how he came to want to become a principal, uh, what he sees in our future as both a school and, uh, you know, a community, and both the positives and some of the challenges that we might face in what has already been a crazy and trying year, what the next school year might bring. So... With that said, thank you so much for supporting and listening, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, so we are here. It is Wednesday. April 21st. Is that correct? Yep. And we have a special guest with us. Uh newly elected <laughs> newly voted in, appointed, however they do it up there, uh Mr. Blake Campbell sort, our new, sorting hat. That's right. <laughs> sorting hat <laughs> has chosen another one. Uh Mr. Blake Campbell is our new high school principal. So, welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, super excited to be here.
0: So, let's start this off real easy. If you could just give whoever's listening in internet land, just a potted bio of kind of where you're from, your academic background, and then maybe what propelled you into wanting to be a principal.
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, this is my 10th year at Lakeside. I'm originally from Hot Springs and went to Fountain Lake. And then I went to Henderson. Um, I was actually pre-law, majoring in political science and English and going to law school. And um, I was serving as a legislative aide for Representative Johnny Roebuck at the time and decided that I wanted something more in life than just the law. I wanna be in politics eventually, but um, I I wanted something more than just to study law. And everyone in my family had been in education. I was gonna buck the system and not do that. Um, And then Johnny Roebuck, former educator, she kind of um, set that fire in me that, you know, this is what my passion really was and I had been fighting it forever. So, uh, changed my major and ended up interning here at Lakeside um, with two great history teachers and then decided that this is where I wanted to work. There weren't any history openings, so I was licensed in English and took an English job. um, Taught English and psychology and sociology for six years and then rolled into admin. Um, So uh, when I decided to go into education, I knew I wanted to be a leader in education at some point. Um, So that was kind of the next progression that I just knew I wanted to do. I wanted to impact um, students in a different way than just in the classroom. It's not to say that I don't miss the classroom because I do every single day, but um, I enjoy I enjoy the admin side too. So I'm super excited about this new position. How
0: many lives has Dr. Johnny Roebuck touched from <laughs> right. Henderson State? You know, everybody knows who she is. I was a GA under her. Oh wow, that's for a awesome.
1: every one of us sitting here, nodding even I like, know who I that mean, is, yeah. and
0: I didn't go there. And <laughs> right. she kind of did the whole education first, and then she got into politics. Exactly, you know? right. But she's made you know huge changes. Um, Okay, so like you got a job. here. I didn't know you were a history person, did Mm -hmm. I? Maybe I forgot that. I just assumed you were an English person because when I got here, that's what you were doing.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And then this opportunity came up. I'm sure this was kind of where you wanted to be. Obviously, we need to kind of start with some of the challenges that you see coming. And we don't have to get too detailed. I know these guys are going to ask some questions as well. But as we move into the last of this year, let's just focus on kind of getting – through this year and into the summer, what are some immediate things you see that are we're going to have to deal with pretty quickly?
1: Yeah, so I think number one is just reengaging kids and reengaging staff members too. That this has been a tough, you know, year going on 18 months. By the time we come back in August, and so everyone's going to have to get refocused and re-energized and re-engaged. Kids are going to have to come back on campus that might not have been here um, since last March, and so. Um, you know, we've, we've got to get them plugged back into school and what school is and what the expectation is, because it's been much different. We've had to pivot a thousand times. We've had to do school differently, and we're going to have to get it back to normal as much as we can, um, while also taking some of the lessons that we've learned through COVID in terms of, um, you know, technology engagement and how we can use technology in different ways. Not that that can be the end all be all, but we can do things differently than we had previously done. Um, Another big challenge is is students uh, and teachers, again, um, social, emotional, mental health and stability. Everybody, not just because of school, but because of shutting down the world and shutting down life, is impacted in a different way. And so we're really going to have to um, focus on that and focus on getting kids and and staff members stable emotionally and socially and, and emotionally again. What do you think is one of the biggest
3: successes from this past year? I know sometimes we focus on, oh, it's so mm-hmm. stressful, and, it's, and, and all of that is true. Mm-hmm. But what do, you, what do you see that's positive coming out of this past um, year's experience?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that it goes back to tech. I think that our students and our teachers have embraced technology in ways that we haven't done in the past, and we've been able to see that, oh, we can do this a little bit differently. It doesn't have to be a traditional paper and pencil assignment. We can do it in a more engaging or technological way. Um, we know that we need that balance we need paper pencil we need traditional assessments but then there's also a time and a place for some of those technology applications just one example um you know we're doing a lot of interviewing right now and we're doing it through zoom so we're able to not you know waste people's time coming here to to interview we do it through zoom and then we call people back for um face-to-face interviews at that point we can do the same thing with parent meetings, student meetings, things like that on the admin side and our teachers have been able to do that too.
2: Yeah, we did a mock trial by Zoom, so um,
1: this I, could yeah. also
0: be implemented educationally to teach students etiquette over Zoom and technology <laughs> Absolutely. because that's something <laughs> yeah. we we just threw, you know, they're into it now, but it might be something we have to actually put in the curriculum because things will be digital and and I'm I'm sure even the corporate workplaces around the country are going to start shifting Oh, we can do this. We don't have to have an office space. Mm-hmm. And don't
3: you think though that with that, well, like you said, the the idea about etiquette and how you pr- how you perform in a digital world on an online format? Like, I think that one of the one of the pitfalls that we've seen though is that people don't necessarily understand how to pro- appropriately engage while they are so distant. And I think the younger you get, maybe even the more difficult that can be. Oh, well, I don't know that that necess- necessarily is true because we have a lot of seniors that are struggling too and teachers that are struggling so I mean what do you think about that concept the idea that we would need if we're going to continue a a virtual presence that we would need very much more strict guidelines on what that's going to look like on both ends Um, what do you think about that
1: yeah I think you're exactly right I think that um, you know this year when we were setting plans up it was all about safety it was all about making sure that our students and our faculty were safe Uh, going forward when this is just an option for students it has to be set up as a virtual learning environment and not in crisis mode, but um, you know, setting forth what you said guidelines that you're going to zoom at these times, or you're going to be present in a virtual setting. If that's zoom or Google meet or whatever it might be at these times. Um, But then again, giving that balance that when it comes to an assessment, you may have to be on campus to take that assessment because we need to lay eyes on you or it's a mock trial and you really need to be a part of that in person. Um, So to me, it's much more of a blend. And we're able to do that through uh, levels of accountability that we haven't put in place at this time.
2: Well, that kind of feeds in a couple of seniors. Um, Lauren Boston Alex Browning asked questions about should that be sort of a change in our focus for college and career readiness to look at other avenues than traditional um content delivery or curriculum, and I think that plays into it as well, we do have to think about um, not just how schools are going to be different, but jobs, because we have a lot of students that will enter directly into the workforce. So I don't know, what do you think we could do to help them with that transition?
1: So I think there are several things we need to do. So number one, kind of like Mr. Pumphrey was just talking about, we have to make sure that students know how to perform in a digital environment, no matter what that is. You know, we know more and more people who are working from home, and they're going to continue to work from home. But beyond that, as a district and as a school, we have to find those pathways for students who aren't going to traditional four-year or two-year school, but that they are going straight to the workforce, but they need some kind of technical certificate. So if that's a CNA program or if that's a a welding certificate, something like that, we have to explore options for them to get those certificates and get experience with those companies and those um, organizations so that when they leave here, they really can go out and get that. That's one of the things that I'm hoping to do in the next couple of years is to kind of retrofit what we've done with the Lakeside Legacy Program and not just have that as a a associate of arts program, but that students who get an associate degree get a degree that they can actually leave here and be done with school. Because that's who really needs an associate degree, someone who's going to be a CNA, someone who's going to be a welder, someone who's going to go work in graphic design, something like that. Um, still offering our program that we have now that benefits students who are going to four-year colleges, but that provide opportunities for those students to leave here, go directly into the workforce, and make a good salary and a good contribution to the world. What do you envision
3: is uh, identifying students who may be more prone to that type of track as opposed to uh, a college-level track how, at what point should we be trying to identify those students and what would those assessments maybe look like? you have yeah. any, any uh, thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. So when um, I was going to be the junior high principal, the plan had been to bring back the U-Science assessment, which we did a couple of years ago with all students in 8th through 12th grade, and that gave us great data to see what tracks do our students want and need. That's where we saw we really needed to beef up computer science. That's where we saw we na- needed to add like biomedicine because those were fields that our students wanted. Um, that's when we saw we had this group of kids who wanted construction technology and welding, and we developed that partnership with CODO because of that data. So, the plan is to work with the new junior high principal to begin those processes in 7th and 8th grade when they start their student success plans, so that we can see what are they interested in at that point. By the time they get to high school, we can make sure we have those programs set up for them so that they can get their required credits for graduation, but then we can also build time into in an internship be in a CNA program, whatever it might be. seems
3: like one of the challenges to that might be what it, is your interest career-worthy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, as opposed to here's a hobby, here's something that I want to have as part of my life to enrich my life. Is that something that I can actually make a living doing? Is that something then we can encourage them to, to move forward with? And if they get down the road of, uh, let's say, that path, and they go, yeah, I think I'm going to do this, but then you know, by the time – how, how old are you in the eighth grade?
1: Like thirteen, 14, thirteen, fourteen.
3: Yeah. By the time you're mm-hmm. seventeen, you might go. That was a dream, and I just don't see that being a reality in my life anymore. Or we've had others' experiences. I, I, it seems like one of the things that we would need to do is to continue continually monitor and adjust that program Absolutely. so that we know that they're actually going to be on track to do something productive with their lives by the time they leave here. Right? You and mean so we're, not gonna I, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going
2: to have a class for influencers? We're not going to teach how to no, so, okay. no maybe we're YouTubing? Uh, yeah, yeah I'm YouTubing? A YouTuber. Yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe yeah. that seems like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so you're exactly right. So with you, Science, we'll be able to do the baseline, and it's a it's an interest and aptitude test in seventh and eighth grade. But then every year, from seventh grade on, I mean, because doesn't a, there need to a be refit, a point where you I go, agree. "Hey, yeah. kid, that's dumb. Right? <laughs> <You can>. right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's not going to be a thing for you. S- right.
3: It's a nice dream, but l- here, what's, let's talk about
1: reality. Right. Well,
3: you, you don't want to crush people's. Dream. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Especially not in seventh and
1: eighth grade. But by ninth, yeah. tenth, they can see that reality. That oh, you know what? I'm not going to be a professional baseball player. I'm not going to be a YouTuber. Hopefully, by then they've realized that that's not. You know, possible. But... I have trouble
3: keeping my shoes tied I'm probably not going to be an astrophysicist right, right
1: exactly so you're exactly right we have to we have to continually look at that and that's the, the piece of it that we'll be able to look nothing at nothing against year. those
3: kids who can't keep their shoes tied right. don't I, send I'm me letters and, kids,
1: yeah. so it's fine that's why I usually have shoes that are either did you, did tied you all the way tied all the way or don't have laces
0: yeah. Yeah. When you can't bend over you get no laces yeah, right. <laughs> Just, <come on. laughs> honey could you put my shoe on <laughs>
3: no, no but, I, but I think that's a serious conversation Mm -hmm. that we need to have because I think for a long time there's been this mentality Mm -hmm. within said high schools across the country especially some that are that are like feeling progressive about who they are we need
1: to send all kids to college that's not that's that's not based in reality I agree and that's that's not my goal my goal is that we prepare students for whatever's next whatever is up for them as, as part of their life after Lakeside if that's four year if that's two year if it's some kind of certificate I'm a very big proponent of the idea that Everyone needs education beyond a high school diploma, but it doesn't have to be a degree. It could be a certificate of some sort. And in the same regard, if we know that these certificates are out there, we should be able to offer them as part of our program so that they can just leave and say, I'm going to work and I'm going to make a good contribution to the world.
3: And that counts as just as much of a success as someone who's going to an Ivy League school. In my mind, it does. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, All right. So let me complicate that story for a second. What about kids who have gone through the process this year and because of COVID restrictions and maybe their parents have struggled with their finances, maybe they've lost their job or whatever, and these kids have had to go to work? That doesn't necessarily end uh, when the school year ends and we start the next year up. So what do what what might we be able to do? or Are we still going to have to figure out ways to be more
1: flexible with those kids who might still need to work to support their families? So I think, I think we're going to have to be more flexible with that to a certain extent. But I also think that students and workplaces are going to have to be more flexible than they have been in this year. Um, this year, more than any before in my memory, um, we have had students who are working full-time jobs during the school day.
3: I, I, I cannot count uh-huh. the number of times people say, I can't do your work because I have to I go to work. work right. Yeah. I couldn't turn this in because I was working till until you know, 10, 11 o'clock. I can't get this done.
2: Or literally during the school day. Or, or, or that, right. Day. And so... Right. Uh,
1: I just I, I just see that as something we're going to have to deal with. We are going to have to deal with it, and it's my hope that we're able to kind of retrofit that to be more like a career practical, more an internship, where they're working with a company that is going to benefit them beyond just high school, that they're going to be able to explore their career a little bit, and then if we're doing that, then we could actually offer them credit for that, if they're able to get an internship with an engineering company. Or if they want to work in marketing and sales, and they're working at Kroger or Dillard's or wherever they're working, we can fit that in within their within the scope of their career uh, prospects.
0: Do we currently have any job release program? We do not, not at this point. And, and you know, we had one when I was a kid, like in mm-hmm. the 90s, that was really mm-hmm. successful for those kids, you know, when they hit 16 and needed a job. And, and so that's kind of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. is having a structure that might not be in place next year, but it, hopefully at some point that can catch those kids that might want to leave early and not do all. And it, it kind of brings up the interesting – Uh, because I have students like this, as you do, by the time they get into 10th, 11th grade, they're like, do I really have to take a math my senior year when I'm I'm failing now? And this just puts me behind. It seems like graduation credits are going to have to also be more flexible to to some degree. They are. I mean, obviously, most kids go above and beyond Mm -hmm. what they need, the minimum requirement. But it seems like if you're going to start doing some of these other programs, that is going to cut into your graduation requirements. Is that even... Can you talk a little bit about graduation requirements, where that comes from and how that is handled?
1: Sure. So, so, you know, the state of Arkansas requires every senior to have 22 credits by the time they graduate, and then Lakeside requires 24. Um, now, when we're talking about changes to that, the state of Arkansas has already started implementing some of that, recognizing that students don't necessarily need the traditional core classes to be successful. Um, and so, for example, in English... This year, for the first time, they have offered um, semester courses in English that are focused on work-based reading and writing, or um, one of the courses that we're looking at right now is all about um, literature through film or um, technical writing, things like that that are not just the standard kind of canon works of literature that you're going to read Shakespeare and you're going to read Charles Dickens and all these things that students often don't see relevance um, in reading. Um, Same thing with math. You know, there are additional courses that they're bringing out that are focused on work-based practices and applications. So I think just within that and what the state is doing, we're going to see a change over the next couple of years, and we're going to be able to say, if you're on this track to go your junior and senior year and work in the afternoons and gain credit for it, then this is the set of courses that you're going to take that are actually going to benefit you in that that program or in that track. Um, That's not to say, however, that students who are going to four-year They need those AP courses. They need those traditional courses and that content to prepare them for college, to prepare them for their careers, wherever they're going after that. Um, So I think that what we're going to see is instead of the track system that we have right now where we have honors, pre-AP, and on level, we have work-based learning, college readiness, you know, things that are really tailored to it and don't just have a name associated with it.
0: Yeah, I know some schools, and in, in, I don't know how many schools still do this, but they do like a geometry A and B, mm-hmm. and the, you know, an algebra A and B, instead of making them do the full thing each year, so they're, they're doing quite a bit less than the, the normal requirements. Um, so, what do you think? You're, you're in the summer, it's July, August is coming, how are you feeling? what's What's going to be that first week in your mind? what are some things, especially during the p d with the teachers? What are some things you really want to emphasize as we get everybody back together? There's going to be a little bit of probably some leftover fear from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. There's going to be you know some divisiveness on how to
3: move forward what just tangential what what is your what is our uh statistic on vaccinations like what's oh, our percentage of staff?
1: I I do, do know not know right I hand? do not know the the statistic as of today.
3: But part of the reason why I bring that up, and mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what the number might even be, I'm not gonna guess, but I saw the governor yesterday saying, Hey, we got plenty of vaccines, everybody should go get a vaccine, come on get a vaccine. Hey, and there's there's this weird mm-hmm. sort of now um I don't want to say hesitancy, but there is this uh it doesn't feel as urgent to some people maybe. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually trying to recruit more people from around the state. And I just wondered if if we saw like a flurry of activity at the beginning, but less interest as we've gone on. Like this isn't over. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so,
1: you know, yeah. So I can see, I can tell you this, that yesterday, I think he said like 40% of the state had received a vaccine. 40% of the eligible members of the population had mm-hmm. received a vaccine. Our percentage is higher than that. I don't know what it is and I don't want to misstate state sure, sure, yeah. statistic, but I know that it's higher than that. Um, I think by us having those clinics on campus for the staff mm-hmm. that, pushed a large number of our staff members to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I think because so many of us, self-included, had been quarantined at some point, the idea that if I get a vaccine, I'm not going to have to quarantine for this period of time, that propelled some of our staff members. I I mean, I was going to get the vaccine no matter what, but then when they said that, it was like, oh, yeah, definitely doing that then. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know the statistic. uh, Okay, I was leading somewhere with that question. Does that percentage
3: make a difference in how we open school next year or
1: do we just say, well, we're open no matter what? So I I think, and I may be speaking out of turn when I say this, but I think that it's not so much about the percentage of staff but where vaccines are in terms of students at that point. You know, they've, they've bumped it to 16. They're talking about bumping it to 14. How far are they going to bump it lower? Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, though, beyond vaccines, beyond masks, beyond COVID – When we talk to families, most parents are saying, we're going to finish this year out in our online or hybrid environment, but come August, we're coming back full force. Would teachers who
3: did not choose to take the vaccine be required to mask on campus? That's
1: a great question that I don't know the answer to.
0: Is there going to be any policies regarding if, let's say, the vaccine is available for students 14 and up in the summer or whatever, is there going to be any policy regarding students having a vaccination or proof thereof before they can come back?
3: Mm. Uh, that's. I a, mean, that's a that's that's an a interesting t- point. And, and slippery I'll, slope. I'll a slippery that, slope. What, what made me think of what made me think that when you said that, uh, my little granddaughter on her recent visits to the doctor, there's a there's on her, ex, on her mm-hmm. immunization card, there's a new spot for
1: COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, is that something you, s- you foresee in the future? That's a great question. Right. I, that's, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think that eventually this will be treated as the flu vaccine where we don't mandate it as we do with the MMR and all of those vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wonder what the future holds because it is. It's on my it's on my kid's vaccine chart now too, you know, mm-hmm. that it's there. Um, I, you know, yesterday I read though that there was legislation that had passed out of committee saying that in Arkansas you could not require a vaccine passport um, yeah, the to private go businesses, yeah, in businesses. And so I just, I wonder, is that going to impact schools as well.
0: Yeah, Nixon, you could probably talk more about this, the legal ramifications of some of this mandated yeah, I mean, vaccine. Yeah, that
2: gets tricky. So um, when we're talking about um, legality of it, mandated vaccines, there's some Supreme Court precedent where the Supreme Court has upheld the state's ability to mandate vaccines. Now, to my knowledge, they haven't had uh, a national vaccine mandate um, case, or I don't think we've ever actually had a national vaccine mandate any I don't think we have, but there is uh, there's some precedent. Massachusetts had, I believe it was smallpox vaccine that the Supreme Court upheld within their power to do so.
3: We didn't have a national mandate to vaccinate against smallpox. I don't think so. Not that
2: I'm aware of anyway. Huh. Um, but and so that's why, you know, that's the first part legally. And the second part legally, it's interesting to me just on a political Uh, And I don't want to get off into politics too much because, you know, we're talking about school next year. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, uh, on a political side of it, you know, it's interesting that the legislature passed something um, about private businesses and the government interfering in the ability of private businesses to, you know, set parameters for who can come in their establishment and and shop when there's so, you know unwilling to I
3: thought we wanted small government well is that where you're going with
2: that yeah that's where I'm
3: going with
0: that (laughs) um you know well it's no doubt that this vaccine is birthed in a very different climate than the old school that we give our babies that we've all just accepted as the way of the world and the miraculous things and health benefits they've given us this one right here might be controversial for a few years. Right, don't or... you think
3: that's part of the whole anti-vaxxer thing that's been popular over the past decade or so anyway? It's like, oh, the more and more people are like, all right, it's it's a conspiracy and we need to get... I wonder if we hadn't had that moment, if this moment would have been different. That's a good question. I don't
0: know. A lot of the... What, yeah. what's Internet weird is if conspiracies you look at the, just... The old school anti-vaxxers are kind of on the different side of the aisle than a lot of the new school anti-vaxxers. It's kind of a crazy shift because if you look 10 years ago, the anti-vaxxers... Were some of those nutty liberals, <laughs> and now a lot of the anti-vaxxers are some of the nutty conservatives. Maybe and they've just joined forces. They just uh... yeah, if that's such a thing. Um, I talk to my kids about politics, you know, in class, and they just don't even know how political parties. You know, they, they not used to be much different You mm-hmm. know, when you look at political parties, so all this is new. Being uh, the principal next year, obviously you're going to have a lot of challenges with all this. Do you have any specific plans as far as the what you want to really shoot for in professional development you know before we get into it uh do you have any specific things that you'd like to see happen or some pd that you th- would recommend that kind of thing
1: yeah so um we're already planning that at this point point. and number one is just again reuniting the lakeside family because we have been isolated for an entire year more than that at this point um, it's funny because we have new staff members this year who don't know staff members on this side of the building because they live in the 600 hall Vice versa. Um, so that's step one. Step two is, like I said a minute ago, like reengaging and exciting the staff to be here, um, and reevaluating and re, I guess, establishing that excitement and passion that we have for teaching and education that has been so bogged down this year by logistics yeah um, that's
2: one thing one of my students asked ellie Aldrich, how do you uh, how do you get the teachers back to enjoying teaching again, mm. <laughs> which I thought was an interesting way of phrasing it because it you know implies that she's witnessed some we'll say slump <laughs> maybe or uh, not maybe it's not just pep or enthusiasm for teaching, which is I mean, I get it. it's been a hard year. it's been hard for me to get motivated so
0: oh, nearly every day I'm saying, well, in a normal year, exactly. I know
2: it's right. I, mm-hmm. every day yeah every day so I don't I mean so, I don't know how you do that.
1: Well, with, with regard to that, I really think a lot of that can be fixed by splitting back out on-site versus online learning. I feel like that is the, the one thing yeah. that has bogged down everyone um, because you are trying to <laughs> teach in two different ways to the same group of students. So by splitting that back up um, as much as we possibly can, again, there's still going to be a blended environment because we use Google Classroom. We did that before COVID. Um, I think that should help. I also think by having kids in class, you know, I walk in classes every day and there are four kids sitting there. It would be tough to be excited and to really engage with four kids beyond just a, you know, circling up, talking like I, we're I slapped doing right Franklin, now. Franklin in know? the face in the hallway right before you it, getting motivated yeah. to get in there. Let's and, go. Oh, right. <laughs> like we're just so used to talking to 25, 30 kids, like working with big groups of kids when there are four kids in there. You one, know.
3: Of, one of the challenges that I've faced personally is that, in, I will, Even if there's one kid in class, I'm going to give the full tilt lesson. You're going to get it. One and foot it, from their yeah, face. Yeah, I mean, I'm going. Yeah, here we go. Right? <laughs> Buckle up. But the downside for me has been the the slowness of the responses from the kids online because mm-hmm. you it is it's a delayed response at best. Right. Right. Even if I mean, in and, and we've talked before about how some students have sort of just you know they've gone off on their own track and they, we may not have, have even had much interaction with them. Even when we're trying to engage with them, they might not, they might be very, very slow if, if uh, bringing anything back much at all. But even the ones who are engaged, who might listen, it's, you know, maybe they're the, the people at home who, cause we record everything we do and we post it out there. But then maybe, maybe two or three days later, I'll get some sort of, Hey, what about this? And I'm like, this, this weird delay. And it causes, it causes me to go, it's almost like a time warp sort of mm-hmm. thing where I'm like, okay, where am I? What is this? Who are you? <laughs> what are we talking about? Because, you know, there's a there's a flow to the delivery of the content, and then you want Im- the immediacy of feedback and the conversation, especially from a history standpoint. Right. And I assume that's the same way in language arts Absolutely. where we're conversing about this and then we, right, where there's a direct engagement. And you can do that one-on-one with students, but then you can do it class to class too. Well, that's that, that has been unplugged. Mm-hmm. And so the, one of the biggest challenges for me this year has been, how do I maintain that level of enthusiasm when there is such a delay? In I think about you. You've, you've, I think we've talked about this before. Like people on stage, like you're a, you're a performer. Like you you get energized by the crowd and how mm-hmm. they react into what you do, and then that makes you even more so. We, like it's it's it is it's made it more difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible because I, I, we work hard at it. Right. Right. However, I can see how it would, would be. Uh, especially by this point in the year. Well, you could you can imagine dragging as people down. doing English, like grading mm-hmm. an essay. Right. And
0: you write all over it. You give it right to them. You show them what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, they can bring it right back to you. That takes a week and a half right. online. And, and, and Google Classroom hopefully will make some changes to make that process easier because they can resolve a lot of comments, send it back, and I don't even know what they did. Mm-hmm. So there's some – so, you know, obviously there's going to be some some, hopefully, changes that are made to make that process easier. But – do you, and I know none of that's really in your control as far as the time it takes to do some of that stuff, but something that ha, have y'all been talking at all about security as far as testing security? And, and I know this might not be really a thing by next year because it's going to be separate, but this year, not, not really having a good way to lock down browsers. Even if you do, they have a second device. Mm-hmm. Can you speak? at all to testing security for the future? If this ever happens again, is there any plan in place where we could, because I know that there are some big chunks of software you can buy for a ton of money. Can you speak to testing security at all?
1: So sure. So we have talked about it and we have looked at options all throughout the year. And some of the flaws that you described with having their phone and using that as the second device are the things that we've run into as well. Moving forward, what we talked about is Having those big assessments where students have to be on campus to take them. They're an online student, but they're being assessed at school so that they're in the same environment and they're under the same conditions that our on site students are. Um, and that's the best that we can come up with at this point to ensure that our online and our on site students are being assessed in the same and the most fair manners. Well, right. the reason we haven't done that this year is because of the actual personal safety concerns. Exactly. Right. As opposed right. to mm-hmm. testing
3: security, you're more worried about personal right. well-being. And so, yeah, I mean, but, but in the future, and that kind of goes back to the vaccination mm-hmm. aspect. The more people that are vaccinated, the more we feel safe and secure to do those big group kind of things. So, right. um like we'll
2: see. Though. Back to the legal aspect of that. So yeah, yeah states um, can do it. There's not been a federal okay. mandate. Okay. Um, but then in 1920, the first was 1918. But Supreme Court reaffirmed in 1922. This was school specific. School system could refuse admission to a student who failed to rec- to receive a required vaccine. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. interesting. I did not know that one, uh, but I knew the state of Massachusetts <clears> um, had. Um, okay, so
3: attention, parents. <laughs>
2: no <I don't> <laughs> no well, legal usually advice was given in that prior <laughs> statement. If
0: things are different, <laughs> difficult at the state level, they're either going to kick it to the districts or they're going to kick it up to the National <laughs> but, Congress because they don't want to deal yeah. with the backlash. So we'll see. I do suggest in that first week we give some sort of award to all the medical staff and <laughs> and Nurse Orr who, you know, you talk about getting thrown a curve. Absolutely. Uh, the, the work that they did. And I know even, you know, when I had COVID, her calling and texting me and tracking me down and trying to figure out my – and then she's got all these students. I mean – what a crazy, overwhelming job that might be. We got to well, give. Them plus, just sort of
3: everyday, average, run of the mill, you know, oh, well, <laughs> you know ailments. that somebody they' Somebody comes to in there with, their with their a runny nose. Are you <laughs> kidding me with
0: your runny nose?
2: Get back to class. <laughs> I hope I can say this. I hope she doesn't mind. But when she had COVID, she was still reaching out to me and mm-hmm. telling me how to handle things <laughs> with COVID in my classroom. So, I, know. God I mean, good her. lord, whole,
1: yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a job that never ended. I mean, yeah. it was twenty four seven. You know, and even still, it's still happening, but at a, a slower rate, obviously.
3: So we talked to Orr a few months back about mm-hmm. um, about the admins' um, reaction and response to the COVID stuff as as we were entering the whole new phase of, hey, we're going to go online and all of that. Like, can you talk about your experiences at that point too? Like, what were some of the things that you were going through or thinking? Like, did you feel that it was going to be as big a deal as it was? Or so last, did you guys last n- March? Yeah, last, oh, yeah last year this time yeah. when you, we were like, okay, here we go. We're going to shift. Like, what were, what were you thinking at that time? And or at least what getting, getting you-
0: ready for the new school year last year. Like, all
1: that yeah. shift was. Yeah. Yeah, so last March it was one of those things, I mean, Never in my life had I watched a governor's press conference every single day at 1 30, waiting to see what was going to be said on that day. Um, and that's, you know, one of the last memories that I have here on that March 13th day is just throwing Chromebooks to kids (laughs) because we don't know what's gonna happen, you know, um, how long we're gonna be gone or what we're gonna do after that. Then, you know, planning for this it seems year. surreal. It yeah. does it seem does. surreal. Yeah. It really does. And then, you know, even coming back when we when we finally came back to work on campus in mid late July, maybe it was even August first. I don't remember um, to go in classrooms and to see on the board Friday March thirteenth. It was like time had stopped in this. Go building. look in
3: my classroom. It's still there. It's I lived there. It. It's, yeah. still, it's like a momentous,
1: yeah. mo- momentous thing. Um, <laughs> it's bone chilling. It's a, bit a historical bit date. About, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then thinking about. This school year, I mean, I don't think I'm in the minority when I say this, but I never thought we were gonna make it to this point. I thought we were gonna shut down. Like we shut down with mm-hmm. what, twenty cases? So right. I knew we were gonna to get to the point where oh we're gonna shut down and go home. So you're you're surprised that we've I'm surprised we made well it this far. Absolutely. Yeah, I am and too. That, you know, that's one of the reasons why when we set this up at the high school, we kept saying, like, you know, we want more virtual teaching at the beginning than we want in person because we were all expecting to go home. Very quickly, I kept saying, if we make it to Labor Day, it's going to be a miracle. And here we are, <laughs> yeah, right. April 21st, and we haven't been shut down. Um, so I, I think that's a testament to... Nor have we had to pivot to entire online. Right. Mm-hmm. Like even if teachers were on campus, all the kids have... You've never had to do that, you know, where teachers come and kids all go home. Right. Right, yeah. Right. So I do think, I do think that the plan that we put in place was the best plan possible for safety. Were
3: you surprised at the cooperative nature of the vast majority of the students? Because
1: I was like, I don't know if they're going to play this game with us. I didn't know if they were going to wear masks. When we kept saying, you know, they're going to have to wear masks, and that's something we went back and forth on before the governor came out and said, masks in schools, Um, and, you know, they're not going to wear them. And even thinking about high school kids, sure, we we could make that work a little bit better than the elementary kids. You go down there. They've had less issues than we have in terms of mask wearing. I have a five-year-old who's at preschool. He wears a mask, and he doesn't think anything of it, which is a little bit sad, but, um, you know, there's no issue. So, yeah, I'm definitely surprised and impressed, um, but not shocked by the level of compliance and understanding from our students, from our parents, from everybody involved.
2: So, what do you think is going to be? And this is a student question. Uh, Hunter Little wants to know when students come back who haven't stepped foot on campus mm. since March. How big of a shock do you think it's going to be for them? And what 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 do you think is their biggest challenge coming back?
1: So, I think there are several challenges. I don't know that I can pinpoint one. So, we've obviously got the academic challenges of just the level of rigor is going to be different than what they have put themselves through. Not that our teachers have backed off completely, but that they haven't sure. engaged. Um, I think the the Time management in terms of you're going to seven periods a day, you're not waking up at 10 noon. or noon <laughs> I was gonna, I was or say 1 noon. or <laughs> yeah. 5 p.m. and doing all your work till 3 a.m. Um, and then there's that social aspect that I, I just I know and fear at the same time that many of our students have lacked that direct social interaction component of life because everything that they've done has been digital whether it's through their phone or Zoom or social media or whatever, that's how they're communicating with or people. They're going to have to learn to re-engage exactly, on all those yeah. levels, it sounds like. You right. Know. That's, that's what I see. Well,
2: you know, and I I kind of had the same thought, but a really weird interaction happened in the last couple of weeks. I had a student, um, it was during ACT Aspire testing, stopped me in the hallway, Mr. Nixon, Mr. Nixon. And uh, I'm like, okay, hey, what's going on? I had no clue who the student was. Zero. Um, and he's like, hey, what can I do to improve on this? And I, I'm like... I don't know who you are. Like I had no Mm -hmm. clue who was never seen him. And I'm wondering if, because he was so accustomed, like he knew my face, he's seen it, he's seen it on uh, Zoom. Um, I'm wondering if the uh, social interactions are going to be maybe harder for us, for kids who think they know us or feel that they know us and we don't have a clue about them. Um, and, and, And he's since come back to, he's, in person, and like I know him now by name, and we're talking. You know, right. everything's. We're developing that rapport, but it's April.
3: <laughs> that's a bit twilight zoneish, if you really think it, about it. It
2: really threw me for a
3: minute. You see that yeah.
2: name and the and the work and the the writing. And yeah, all that I had from... no face. Well,
3: no I mean, are no. we, just it. The, well, even the kids that are here, I only know half of them. Half you. their face, <laughs> yeah. right? I only oh, know you by yeah. your. I only yeah. know
1: you by your upper nose and eyes. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's what's crazy. I mean. I have always prided myself on knowing kids in hallways and being able to say, hey, so-and-so. And, And, you know, I mean, we all know this. In high school, people's facial structures change. They get taller. They change their hair. When I just see a mask, I don't recognize Mm -hmm. so many students, and that's sad to me. So I do think at whatever point the masks come off, there's going to be this learning curve for all of us on, who are you again? Oh, that's right, you know.
0: Do you anticipate any changes with regards to the attendance policy? for the kids that are coming back. They're on campus. Do you think that is gonna resume in much as it was two years ago? Or do you see something being built in for mental health or for pandemic fear? Or is there gonna be a a way, you know, you know, whether it's 10 absences and, you know, you do this, do you see any changes? Or do you think the, the policy, attendance policy for on campus kids will be the same?
1: So I think it will be relatively the same. Um, Obviously, if we're able to go back to a traditional learning environment, we want people here and we don't want them missing 30 days and saying that they're an on-site student. Um, Some things that I think could change, you know, semester test exemptions, we're not doing semester tests this year. The future of those and what that looks like, that's something that we're really going to have to talk about as a building and how we want to proceed with that. Um, And if we don't do that, then how are we going to reconfigure grades so that it's not just a 50-50 split if we're going to do away with them? um and then beyond that you know we we work with the courts on students who are chronically absent so if the court changes anything which there's always that chance then we you know we might follow suit in that regard but i well, do think it's going to be a more traditional as a parent
0: policy. with children mm-hmm. who some mornings just like i'll just going to do virtual today it seems like that August-September time frame is going to be instrumental in making sure we set a precedent that you can't just stay home when you want to, that you have to be here. and Because you're always going to have a handful of kids that's going to test that in a normal situation. Mm-hmm. But I bet we've got a lot of really great kids who are thinking, well, when I, just, I don't want to come on Wednesdays, and, and uh, they can count me absent. A- absences really don't matter anymore. So I think that's going to be having that policy really driven into parents' And kids' heads that it's – no, it's – you're you well, I, turned in the whole thing. I think we
3: couple up that problem with sort of this this near-recent um, – this vibe that uh, somehow the regimentation of school is problematic. Well, mm-hmm. it's just a – you know, it's, it's very industrialized and all of that. I, th- if nothing else, this year proves to me that that regimentation helps build self-discipline. Mm-hmm. You are going to come to first period and you are going to be on time and you are going to do the things that we're doing in this moment and you are going to have a time crunch on you. And it's not about – it's not about trying to confine you as a person. It's about teaching you to if – you, if you can discipline yourself to do that in that regimentation and do that on a daily basis, then I don't have to do that for you. You right. You learn self-control through the fact – I mean, why do you think that military discipline is what it is? You're right. going to get up right. when we get up, and you're going to eat when we eat, and you're going to run when we run. And, I, not the, and I'm not saying that we have to be a, a military-style academy, <laughs> but I am saying that I think that that is one of the things that this year proves is that without regimentation, a lot of students drift and parents don't
1: necessarily know how to handle that
3: either. Like how many parents have learned this year that they're not equipped to raise their children?
1: <laughs> I think that's a great point. And I think that even when we're talking about preparing students for the workforce, there's going to be some grace if you don't turn something in on time once or twice. There's going to be some grace if you're late once or twice. But if you're late every single day or if you're not completing tasks on time every single time, there are going to be consequences. I had a kid who
3: turned an essay in 10 days late and then wondered why it wasn't scored very well. I'm like well, mm-hmm. it would have been better if you had right. There is a penalty for being a, well. I the well, the excuse was well. I wanted to do it really well. I'm like well. Part of what I'm testing you is how quickly you can do it well mm-hmm. in this time crunch. And so I but but because of the because of the distancing involved in what we're doing, and again that slow response time right. that I'm talking about. The idea that they need to be able to take time I need to be able to function this I'd have to worry about these things first and like you've got no no you've got to learn to juggle all this stuff in in real time and I think that's going to be one of our challenges next year too Mm -hmm.
1: I think the real time is the thing that is going to be critical to everything you just said is that it's not going to be that we have 150 students that are at 150 different places as we do right now we're going to have to go back to getting as many of those students as possible back on the same track and then identifying who really has a gap and and we can target those students instead of right now not really knowing where anybody is because everybody's at a different level or a different playing field.
3: Well, and, and that goes back to what Pumphrey was saying. Like we need to set that precedent early, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like here's the standard. We have standards.
1: Right. Right. So I think there's a, a there's got to be a balance at the beginning of the year of re-engaging kids, showing students that school is a fun place, that we enjoy our jobs, that we enjoy interacting with them. While also outlining, these are the expectations. These are the expectations that were pre-COVID, and these are the expectations that we're putting in place at this point. And the understanding that
3: there is a difference between leisure time fun and mm-hmm. professional work fun. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. <laughs> like you
3: can enjoy learning, but not because mm-hmm. it's entertaining you necessarily. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's. I, I think that's. I think that's something that we've got to be careful with as well mm. moving forward. It's not all about videos and you just react and how do you feel about it? No, no, there's, Absolutely. there's an academia and that can be rewarding. And that in itself is fun, but this is not necessarily going to
1: be, I mean, this isn't a playground. Right. Right. And when I talk about fun, i obviously no, like, no, no, talking, I, I knew what no, you I meant. No, I'm right. just, yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm even thinking like, we don't have a lot of strong traditions in terms of things outside of academics that are fun for students. We don't have, we have Senior Week coming up, so that's a fun tradition that students have. We have prom. We have homecoming. Beyond that, we're lacking in that area. Not in class, but outside of class. What are okay. students doing to have a memory? So then my question for you, yeah. Mr. New Principal, is yeah. this.
3: What kind of other things can we do as an institution that then says this is an environment mm-hmm. in which you can actually enjoy and participate? And not just through extracurriculars, but I mean just being here. Like, yeah. what, Absolutely. What kind of things yeah. can we do well, so, with, <laughs> with, without... Interrupting without the interrupting process. the class.
2: That's yeah, and the, the kids want to know that too. Like, I have a question. Jack Patterson asked that. What mm-hmm. do you think's missing? What yeah. you know from the environment?
1: I think fun is missing from the environment. But as I said in my interview, I am not naturally fun. I have fun, <laughs> but I'm not the one who plans fun. So what I am, what I'm looking to do is. Putting together a group of like the most fun teachers in our building who can come up with that, who really buy into that, (laughs) (laughs) who are willing to get up and do a lip sync battle or willing to do some faculty Olympics or something to make the kids have fun or the students have fun. But us have fun, too, as a staff. Um, But but for us to collaboratively come up with those ideas, because that's not. I'm I'm often straight to business and let's let's get better and let's move forward. So I need the fun people to help me do that.
3: Yeah, I'm OCD enough to where I would not mind telling you that I don't like being interrupted. Right, in class. absolutely. <laughs> right. So it's got a, it's got uh, there's a, a flow of instruction and 100%. so if we're like okay, well today we're not going to be able to do that because we're going to go have fun. I'm just saying like that's mm-hmm. obviously we,
1: obviously those yeah. are conversations that we have to have moving forward. Like when is the appropriate time to do those? Absolutely. things? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, and that's what you know if we can build in. Um, times through either Ramfam or even lunch or just this is our celebration day for this nine weeks and, and this is when we're going to do this in, in place of a pep rally that we normally would have. Um, building those times in to where it's not just mm-hmm. us going over the complex and, you know, 800 kids sitting on their phones watching the cheerleaders and the dance team and the band perform, mm-hmm. you know, not even watching just playing on their phone, actually mm-hmm. engaged and have, having fun of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to take student student input as well because... Yeah what we might think is fun they might think is really lame yeah
2: well that's very true but it also piggybacks on something else that a lot of students have asked about um coming back in sort of the mental and and the mental health and the social aspect of it and and how would, how would you address that and I, and i mean i know a little bit of it already but they go hand in hand the idea that the environment is um is is a welcoming one and that there is fun yes nurturing yeah. but also academic it has to be both and well the where that comes in
0: is what we've been taught our whole careers and what study after study it's a personal relationship with that teacher which is missing this year oh yeah which Mm -hmm. has got our perspective screwed up i mean like when kids know that you care they like you you like them they're gonna try for you they're gonna even though they might and they'll they'll be even more interested in history when they see the passion Mm -hmm. you have for history or any
3: subject how many times have you heard kids say that though i'll say at the end of the year they go man I didn't realize until you know, I saw your I drive for this until, particular yeah. thing or whatever. Like I hear, that, uh, and I've heard it from teachers in the lower levels too, like kids have suddenly been engaged because of something that you were passionate about. You know what I mean? Like I, I dig this. I want you to get this and feel it too. And uh, so that level of excitement, which again is hard to deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Virtually. Via virtual right. platforms. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, let's, as we close this, Franklin delivered a critique that he doesn't like it when class time is interrupted. My critique, and you're next, and then I'll ask you one final question. My critique is probably uh, the blanket emails that only three teachers need to hear, but every teacher gets them. And it's because the administration doesn't want to go have those tough conversations with those teachers that are, because those teachers might not get the message in that blanket email. So that's kind of my If I had to suggest something because, you know, there's three teachers, four teachers doing something that's not quite what you want, I would talk to them directly. And I would actually want that for me as well. If Mm -hmm. you saw something where me and four other teachers or just me by myself is screwing up, you don't chastise through email. Because I always think, am I doing that? Am I doing something? You know what I mean? Right. And you've been there, too. Yep. not saying you're going to do that. All right, Nixon, with with no <laughs> profanity, say what? Uh, Why is that mine? Is it because I teach the seven words you can't say on TV exactly. and radio? Yeah, okay.
2: Um, 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 Come on. <laughs> yeah, you want me to say one? <laughs> of? Um, uh, I can edit. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I think my critique would would be, and it's more of an environmental thing than than an. I'm backing away from microphone. Then a then an actual. Um, school or administrative thing. It's that uh, there's a perception, at least by a few, that some disciplines or um, subjects are more important than others. um, And it gets, um, you know, it... it Stressful. uh, Yes, it gets stressful. We'll say that. That's
0: mine. So not prioritizing one discipline or subject over...
2: They think theirs should be prioritized over others. okay. I'll just be blunt.
3: Hey, (laughs) Just And I know that we're going to try to wrap this real quick, but I had this thought that just occurred to me. What do you miss about the classroom now miss, that you've been in administration one. for a couple of years? Every that's single day,
1: I, I miss the direct interaction with kids because I, I talk to kids every day, and I know their names, and I know a little bit about them, but I don't have what you guys have in a, in a normal year particularly. I don't have those 45-minute periods every single day with them to really dig in, get to know them, and to see their growth. That's what I miss. It's what most. I miss
0: about coaching, too, just being around the players mm-hmm. and being that intimate coming up with a game plan and struggling together and, mm-hmm. and all that. My last question, really, and I know, look, you're about to become a, the principal, which, of course, is a vastly different than assistant principal, the amount of responsibility. It's a lonely hill sometimes, mm-hmm. as you know. Uh, there's not going to be as many pats on the back because <laughs> um, you only you don't have many people above you to do that. And people below you don't care. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way of the world. Right. But we all know your strengths, I think, are going to be curriculum, academics, you know, instruction
3: uh, and and being personable, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: What, what do you think is the biggest challenge? If you had to boil it down, being a new principal going into next year, not even really the significance of the pandemic, although you could put that if you if you. Th- had to foresee what do you think is going to be your biggest single challenge going in what do you think it is
1: yeah uh, (laughs) truly I mean it's the same thing it's the environment because Mm -hmm. I do I get straight down to business I want our kids to be successful I want to find ways to do that Um, and then how people feel is often in the back part of my mind because I'm more apt to think about what are we going to do Um, so that's the challenge that I'm constantly wrestling with is how do we take into consideration social emotional mental health how do we take into consideration fun and creating this in in enduring and nurturing environment um, while also continuing to push forward and be one of the top schools in the state academically that's going to be the biggest challenge
0: we do have counseling services that come into the school and do and do some of that already and i wonder if there's a way to improve you know one thing that i notice as a teacher as i go through the teachers lounge is they're doing some of that right there in a room that's really not that private. We have a teacher's really, lounge? It's that little, I don't know, the bathroom for us. <laughs> but I wonder if there would, be, if there's a, a location, and of course I know sometimes it's hard to find these, but just that's one thing that pops into my head is, is letting the kids really have some privacy with a therapist or a counselor that's coming in. Because I know just there's sometimes two or three teachers milling around and then this mm-hmm. kid's talking, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I wish they had more privacy. So I don't know if that's something. Yeah, no, to think I think about. that's
1: I think that's a great point, and I think that with us, you know, removing the eighth grade teachers and putting them mm-hmm. in the junior high, we're going to yeah. gain a lot of space throughout the building, and so we're going to have some designated spaces for that. Additionally, um, the the school board recently approved us hiring um, at least one additional mental health therapist. We already have one that is oh, okay. employed by Lakeside, and now we're going to get to hire at least one more. Um, and so that's going to help us give some stability for students who maybe they're seeing an outside therapist, but their therapist has changed, or maybe they're not, but they just need to talk to somebody, you know, once a month instead of in that normal, um, once every week or every two weeks, uh, schedule. So we're definitely moving toward that direction. And that's definitely something that is the focus. Our, our three, you know, school counselors are great Mm -hmm. and they in this year have seen more students. Um, who are in need um, socially, emotionally than ever before. Traditionally, they often are kind of relegated to academic counseling needs only, but they've really stepped it up this year. And they have to do um, all of that. And they have to do all and of that. And the it.
2: testing and the, yeah.
3: uh, I
1: don't, yeah. yeah. well, know okay. we'll, Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, and a lot of the questions from my students have been about that, the, the emotional and the mental. And, you know, one thing I just want to say so they know that, their questions, I, I don't want them to feel like their questions weren't asked or answered, but I, I it's kind of hard right now. But I just want them to know that there are ideas being uh, tossed around, there are, there are things in the works, and that, um, that you know, while we don't have a lot of information now that we're working on it, and and I know that Mr. Campbell's working on it firsthand, so um, that's just my t- I wanted to put that out there. I know a, a lot of you guys asked about the social, uh, emotional, and mental, um, and don't want you to think that. We're ignoring those. Well, questions. absolutely. And actually,
1: yeah. I mean, even before the end of the year, we want to hear from students. Like, would you be interested in doing some some group therapy sessions, just talking it out with a group of like-minded individuals? Do you see this as a need and is this a passion of yours and you would want to serve as kind of an, a student advisory council on social emotional health and, and emotional stability. Um, so those are things that are going to be put in place even before we leave at the end of the year. seems like you would need to give a little bit of guidance for those people who
3: are going to step up to try to be leaders in that faction or in that function there Mm -hmm. though, because you don't want them to be
1: well-meaning and yet you want it to be effective. Absolutely. Right. So, absolutely. um, So all of that's going to be led by our (laughs) school counselors and then our mental health therapists who have had training in in, you know, establishing those conversations. Okay, we talked about the fears and the challenges for next year. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, I'm looking forward to A, staying in this building that I've been in for 10 years because, um, you know, I was super excited to go to the junior high and lead that building, but this is home. Um, I love this staff. I love what we're doing. So I'm just excited to really get in the driver's seat and help, help propel us even further.
0: Well, I know we're very excited to have you as the principal. I know we're all looking forward to a new year. (laughs) So uh, with that being said, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And that is History After Hours. Goodbye! Goodbye!